Hi guys, uh, just a quick note at the top of the episode, I wanted to apologize for the delay with this release. Um, I've just been crazy, crazy busy with work, been traveling all the way out to Utah and back to Florida and uh, didn't even have the microphone to be able to record this intro, Um, but still going to be returning to our regularly scheduled uh, episodes of um, an episode every other week. Um, But again, sorry for the delay and hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks so much, guys. And welcome to The Legend of Portalcast, a podcast dedicated to Avatar The Last Airbender, Legend of Korra, and all things Avatar. I'm Colin, the main host. Uh, with me tonight, I've got Kevin. Hey, everyone. How's it going? <laughs> How's it going, Kevin? Not bad. Excited to be here, Colin. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, so uh, for tonight's episode, we were really pumped to talk about this um, because we did a little bit of a poll in our group to figure out you know, what... Uh, topic discussion we wanted to move forward with and uh, overwhelmingly uh, was Blue Spirit. Um, So we talked about it and we're like, okay, do we do the episode or do we do the character as a whole? And kind of the main thing we wanted to do was let's just tackle the the Blue Spirit as a whole. Um, So we did a lot of research, kind of prepared everything, and we're just so pumped to talk about this. Um, Kevin's with me right now, but hopefully uh, Susan is going to be uh, potentially jumping on a little bit later. Um, but uh, unfortunately, uh, her son has got an ear infection and he's struggling to go to sleep tonight, which which stinks because poor little guy <laughs> just needs some water bending healing. You know, it, it, it just like, I feel like there it would just it would it would help so many things and so many. Uh, you always have to have a healer in your party oh absolutely (laughs) well that and especially during the winter like being able to water bend the snow would just be such a blessing and just save so much stress (laughs) it's like oh snow has filled the driveway and Uh, it's gone and it's gone (laughs) um All right, uh, so we're going to go ahead and get into this um, and basically kind of talk about, so some of the things we want to talk about tonight, of course, uh, we're going to be talking about the Blue Spirit episode, uh, which is episode 13 from uh, book one of uh, Avatar. Um, We're going to be talking about Zuko's continued use of the mask over the series um, and Lake Laogai, which is a big Blue Spirit-centric episode. And uh, we're also going to be talking about uh, the last Airbender prequel manga. So, you know, it's it's something where, yes, the movie is the movie that shall not be named. Um, but we will get into this and kind of uh, make our argument for why still this um, story beforehand is still something that's pretty cool and awesome that they did. Um, so to just kind of jump things off, uh, we're going to first talk about this Blue Spirit episode. Um, so first, like, what what was uh, your your general impressions of like revisiting this episode in particular, Kevin? I forgot how much I love the middle of season one of this show. <laughs> it's one of those like it's just it, I just love the mix of action. We'll get into this later too. The music, the the colors that they play with, and the fights, um, the scenes that they set. Uh, it's just, and of course the 
comedic relief on the side. It, it to me, it's Avatar at its finest. Mm. Absolutely, man. That I mean, it, it's it's incredible. Like this episode, uh, and it's the fact that it's followed up by the storm. Uh, the the two of those together are just some of the strongest episodes. Um, I think from like up until that point, because of course the book one finale is phenomenal. But yeah, th- this is. They're really hitting home runs with these. And it's cool because when Mike and Brian were given the run for Avatar, they were told, okay, you guys have 13 episodes. Um, We get to kind of see what audiences think. If they are digging it, if they're watching it, then we'll give you guys more. Um, And I mean, like such a bold choice to kind of end with the storm and the blue spirit at at that arc and like just finishing in such a strong way. Uh, yeah, until I read the the wiki that you linked me to, I didn't realize that part of it. And mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, that really makes a little bit more sense of that and makes me respect what they did with that episode a lot more. Absolutely. Um, so the the Blue Spirit, uh, it's just it's such a great episode in terms of the way it's paced. Um, it, we open up with this amazing uh, scene with the Yuyan archers, um, you're setting up kind of these antagonists like right from the right from the start, and we get to see Zhao in a position where he is taking orders from somebody else, and it just like you know, uh, Commander Shinu is just like you know, you you can't order me around, you can't take my archers, and you know, it's like he, he calls Zhao's like av- chase for the avatar of vanity project which is like such a diss <laughs> it, it really you know it's true I, I didn't realize that in the episode like what kind of the uh the hierarchy was and i'm watching it through i thought it was just like some like jerk like bothering Zhao. like at least in my memory that's how i remembered it now i'm like oh no it was Zhao getting a dress down yeah <laughs> chain of command <laughs> shit trickles down <laughs> Ah <laughs> oh, man. So um of course you know we 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 have this like short exchange. Zhao gets the letter from the hawk and is now promoted and uh has that great line of just like my request is now in order. <laughs> but then <laughs> it just slowly pans up and we hear the the first sting uh the musical sting of the blue spirit and we just see this like masked figure like on top of this little platform here, just listening in. And it's just, it's such a mysterious way of like, okay, who is this? Like, what is this person? And like, you know, what, 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 what is their role in the episode here? Um, Yeah. And I like it because there's so many other episodes where they've been setting the table that this is a mythical land. There's a lot of other players. People aren't what they seem to be. So you don't know, is it, you know, someone random, you know, popping in? Is it someone you already know? Like uh, it was a pretty big surprise, I think, to most people seeing it. Absolutely. Um, and what's great, you know, this is such a it's such a strong Zuko episode. Um, and, you know, we get to see his like mounting frustration with Zhao. Um, and it's this, you know, it it's it's really kind of this this feeling of like, wow, I I am now like I can't I can't really do much now because Zhao has got promoted he has all of these resources and it's like, what can I do? And Zuko is feeling very hopeless and frustrated because Zhao is kind of like at that stage where he's like, he has all the cards in his favor and Zuko has kind of the highest of stakes for that mission, even though their mission is the same. Yeah, that's true. It actually kind of reminded me of, uh, you know, I'm a big World War II history buff of Admiral Yamamoto when he realized that his only gambit was to take a great gamble at Pearl Harbor. 
knowing that his chance for overall success was minimal and that just a crazy thing was his best chance at victory. Mm. So it left like, you know, like Zuko, you know, he was left to gamble. That was it because he had only one way out and it was either fail or try to get the avatar. Yeah, absolutely. All right. uh, So um, Susan was able to join us. Hello, Susan. Hi. (laughs) How's it going? Oh, you know, peachy. Peachy. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna jump uh, kind of back into this. Um, we're gonna just we're on the Blue Spirit episode, uh, obviously talking about Zuko's mounting frustration with Zhao, um, just if, with his feeling of his like back against the wall. Zhao got promoted, and now Zuko is like, okay, what do I do? Um, and uh, of course, in the other the other half of the episode, which we're not gonna talk too much about because we are uh, mainly talking about. Um, the blue spirit, but it's definitely worth noting um, for this. This is such a great moment with Sokka and Katara because like they both get sick and it's just like the funniest little bits between them. Like it's it's such a nice, like it's such a nice uh, prelude to Sokka and the cactus juice. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, cactus juice. Um, so obviously Aang wants to go help his friends and, uh, he runs off and has one of my favorite scenes from this episode (laughs) with the herbalist. (laughs) Oh, it's so ridiculous. Oh my gosh. Just like the, the woman who voiced that character just did such uh, amazing wonders with such little amount of screen time. (laughs) It's so perfect. They, they, she leads you on to think that she knows all this, and then just the hammer blow of nope, <laughs> not for you. Yeah. <laughs> but and this is kind of the last and the herbalist. I want to say one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite lines from her is Miyuki. Have you been getting in trouble with the Fire Nation again? And it's like that word, <laughs> that phrasing alone is like, what else has this cat done to like get in trouble <laughs> with the Fire Nation? <laughs> It knocked down all their glasses off the side of the ship. <laughs> oh my gosh, we had all these rare glasses that all of these firebenders made. Now they're all just shattered. How did this happen? <laughs> you just see Miyuki in the corner, just like <laughs> such a good point. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, so it of course ends with um, Ang getting captured by the Yuyan archers, um, and he is imprisoned uh, under uh, Zhao and. One of the things I wanted to bring up uh, was the fact that the way that Aang was set up in his imprisonment, um, I was reading online that apparently Mike and Brian originally wanted to have him chained all four limbs suspended from the air, um, which, uh, and we have Korra spoilers in here just a little bit, is something that we do see in Korra book three uh, when she is captured. Um, but they not listen right now. (laughs) Um, and it's interesting because they said that they couldn't get away with like showing that. Um, and I mean, especially this is like their first run of episodes. Um, so they're definitely not going to be able to get away with that, but you know, it's just, they wanted to kind of put Aang in truly a helpless and dire situation. Um, but I still think that the way he was in prison was still effective for communicating that. Yeah, that was interesting when I read that. I'm like, oh, okay. That's, I guess that makes sense. I mean, it's an episode where, you know, these 
they're going to be uh, sucking on frozen frogs. Maybe we don't have this crazy, like, you know, like almost like torture scene of this, you know, cartoon character. But at the same, like you said, it's like, yeah, it does convey that, like, you know, Ang is stuck. Like, airbending is going to do him no good. It's not like earthbending or something that's, or as we've seen with firebending, a little more forceful. Well, I mean, in that scene is also just incredible. It's also, I mean, like, despite the fact that, you know, this is like a kid's show, I mean, Zhao is rubbing rubbing it in Aang's face that like the Fire Nation committed genocide against his people. Oh and yeah, it, committed oh. genocide and then they're only going to keep him alive just barely. Oh god. I'm like that that's a chill chilling line to get and, and even in a kid show it's like, "Oh geez, they're talking about like barely keeping this guy alive." Like <laughs> yeah. And I mean Jason Isaacs Oh gosh, just oh, the way he delivers that voice. line. Oh my god, so good. <laughs> I mean, if if anyone is listening to that line and not Can thinking just... of him telling him with an American flag at the end of the Patriot, <laughs> then I don't know who you are. Well, can we just can we just understand for a second here is that every let's remember that every episode leading up to even book three, um was literally Mike and Brian seeing how much they could get away with before Nickelodeon was like, No, bad break, bad. <laughs> Like, it's so true <laughs> that is true but like think about it, like they would push the episode and then like the episode directly after this one is a little bit more lighthearted again mm-hmm. um it's not nearly as dark or as like brooding in a way and then even the way the episode ends like he's like oh did you make any friends he's like i think i might have or something like that it's like they're they're they push it just just ever so slightly that envelope and then they pull it back Mm. Push it a little yeah, they they always get they're very good at balancing it. Mm. I mean, think about it. think how far they went in terms of this series, right? They go literally from him riding a koi fish, being a happy-go-lucky boy, to finding basically mass murder of his entire people. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the the next episode's like, ah, you know, uh, yeah, sure, all my people were murdered. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> like, then like. You know, then they go into this whole, like, let's suck on some frogs, cactus juice. I mean, like, it, it, it just pushes that envelope ever so slightly, ever more, ever episode. And it's one of those things that you enjoy because that's kind of life. Like, it's a metaphor for life. Life is literally pushing the envelope every other day a little bit more, a little bit more to see what you can take. Um, and, and the whole point of the story was that it was supposed to be kind of the evolution of Aang from being a child to having to understand what his place is. It's it's crazy. And then, I mean, if you think about it, it's a prelude to them pushing the envelope with Korra a lot more. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, and, and I mean, it, <laughs> and plus in general, I mean, like, especially you have a character like Zuko who also has, you know, this incredible arc and, you know, his, some of the decisions he makes and what he goes through is also just like, it's pushing the envelope, but you know, that's what we have Iroh who kind of like keeps things balanced. Um, you know, it's like we have the scene where, you know, Zuko is frustrated about Zhao and the promotion and everything. And it cuts to Iroh playing Pai show with the crew of the ship. And he's just like, Oh, you're all, you're all improving, but I'm sure that you could do even better if we do oh, one more game. <laughs> and he's just like winning exactly. all of this money from them. <laughs> Come on, guys. Exactly. And again, it goes back to the idea that they, 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 I guess they were feeling out the sensors at the time to see how much Nickelodeon would allow them to kind of 
get away with on the network and still be like able to get money to do a show. Maybe yeah. that's why there were so these long pauses between like seasons is because they had to convince them we won't push the envelope that much again. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Maybe we will, but it's only gonna be a little bit more. <laughs> Possibly. Yeah. Uh. Like I mean, and it's great. It, it honestly is what needed it to be done because the audience was growing. Like, the audience is getting older. So by them pushing that envelope just ever so slightly more, it, it retains that audience that has been growing with the show. Um, rather than it staying a stagnant child, like, stagnant children's show where it stays within this, like, G range, doesn't ever touch any potentially controversial topic, it just grows with its audience. And I think that was one of the best parts of this entire series, even into Korra, was that the creators understood that their audience was growing. Yeah, absolutely. They wouldn't be able to get away with the same things in different seasons and different episodes. Like, they had to make the characters evolve as well. And I think that's one of the challenges a lot of shows struggle to balance over time. And that's why you see shows only go so many seasons and only be able to do so many runs is because they struggle with, well, how do we keep it interesting and allow for it to grow with our audience base that loves the show? Yeah, no, that's a great point. Um, so, you know, as as this continues, uh, of course, we have Aang imprisoned, um, but then we have the Blue Spirit approaching. Um, it, there's this, again, great use of a musical sting. Um, I don't know. I couldn't find out what the instrument was um, that they use, because I know they use a sungi horn for part of it, but there is kind of like this like trill um that they use for anytime it's like a run run and anytime it zooms in closer and it's that great shot of the blue spirit in the woods and we see just this mask off in the distance and then it's just these like jump cuts closer and closer and closer and then as it gets really close to like a medium shot the blue spirit just kind of shifts into the leaves and kind of disappears and infiltrates this base. Um, it, it was just in the way that they pace out him getting into the base and that incredibly badass scene where he takes out the guards one by one. And it, it felt just so classic, like a such a classic kind of like infiltration, uh, like homage in that sense that you would see in like an action movie or even a horror movie, honestly. Yeah, yeah I didn't think about that. That's a good point. Like a horror movie. I actually I- like that. I like I like the likening to a horror movie because basically for those guards it was a horror movie happening in front of <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah it was like it a was, splinter cell like he just like went in and like one by one they were yes. all going down splinter cell it was like the light Jason. Is broken. all of a sudden they turn around like ah! why is the light out oh no that's so true though it really is like a stealth game though Kevin that's spot on because it's like if you're playing one of those games you're like okay I can't take all of these guards at once. But if I like slowly attract them in small groups, then I will be able to take them down. I'm just thinking of the one line from I can't remember which one. It was uh, I think it's the one where you go to North Korea where it's like you pop out one of the lights with uh, you know, your silence gun, and then one of the guards, the light is broken. The other guard, lights break on their own, you know. <laughs> and then they still investigate, and you take them out, and then you keep going. That's amazing. It's almost like. It's really, it's really funny, but it, it feels. I don't know if you guys have watched the new Ducktales at all. I have, no, actually. Not yeah. yet. Okay, so the new Ducktales, Webby, when they're playing like 
when they're playing, uh, just supposed to be playing darts or the dark game, the dark gun thing, and like they open up mm-hmm. and he's like coming down from like the ceiling with night goggles. <laughs> takes out the boys and they're like oh my god we surrender it's just a game <laughs> <laughs> oh man um so like that, that's yeah <laughs> yeah but i mean like you're so i mean like the thing is you're so right like from that perspective of the guards it is like horrifying because you have this masked figure and just the way he kind of how easily and how handily he dis like deposes disposes of them is it's just incredible and then he gets in and it's like it's one of my favorite commercial breaks uh that they did for like an episode structure because ang sees like the blue spirit and then blue spirit approaches him takes out his swords and swings it and it like cuts to like ang like like screaming in fear because it's like oh that's so true it's like he he can do nothing and it's just like, who is this person? Like, what are they doing? And it's just like, it's all so confusing. But then it comes back. And we're back. Yeah, I know, right? Oh, look, he's still alive. <laughs> and you know that commercial is going to be like, you know, Lunchables or like something really <laughs> funny. <laughs> and then it's going to come back. Like, your parents could be watching. It's like, oh, God, what's my kid watching? Why is there a sword coming at that guy? <laughs> Um, so yeah, so Blue Spirit comes in and then he, of course, frees Aang. Uh, and then it's kind of like this, oh, okay, well, what's going on here? Uh, and I think there's like a great moment where like the Blue Spirit's like trying to usher him out of there and the frog like slips out. And he's just like, my friends need to suck on those. Hold <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. on. I need to get those. My friends have an addiction to these poisonous, weird, spotted frog things. Which leads to um, the escape sequence. And I I really want to break down this this whole kind of like group of scenes because it is just, I think, Mike and Brian and their team really flexing like their chops of not only animation, but storyboarding and music it's just this is as you were saying earlier kevin this is like quintessential avatar it is like so good with like what they do and how they use the medium um so the first thing i want to talk about is kind of like the music um and how as they're going through the sewers you have that like again i really wish i knew the instrument and if anyone's listening knows the instruments that are used please uh, send us an email or shout us out on social media because we would love to know. Um, and it just oh, is man, very... I hope the track team listens to this. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> but like the the really like kind of subtle, like soft, like percussive uh, like note that's going on as they're like trying to get out of the trying to like get out of the sewers, and then. Zhao is like, hey. I'm sorry, I, I have to butt in here. This is like probably one of my favorite all time. If we had to rank our top like 10 like awesome um, duo scenes of fighting or just, just automatic escape scenes in the entire series, I think this ranks in my top five. Obviously, Suki taking down like the entire prison. Yes. In, uh, in you know, I always feel like that's one of my favorites because it's like, hey, buddy, is that your girlfriend? She's just like, like, oh, man, geez. Like, 
that is probably my top one, but this is definitely one of my favorite ones. And it's, and it's really exactly as you're pointing out, um, Colin, it's really about just the well balance of, you know, them, the quieter scenes, the action scenes, the music that goes with both of those things, because there is no talking. It's almost like watching a silent action film with the, it's, it's just beautifully well done for animation in this. And that's like, and it balances the light and dark elements so well. Um, so I don't know about you, Kevin, but this is definitely one, of, like probably number three or two in my book. Of uh, top that's scenes. a really good point. I didn't think, it, yeah, because I was just thinking about it. It's almost like, like you're saying, yeah, like a big action uh, chase scene. Um, and it kind of has like a Spielbergian element of um, suspense and things like, you know, when they're climbing the ladder, trying to get out. Oh, no, they're coming up the ladder. All right, the fire's hit. It's like all these things where each moment there's like the somewhat relief of oh they figured it out oh crap there's something else all right they figured it out oh crap here it comes are they gonna make it and it's like one after the other so like even though it's only a few minutes of a scene like a lot happens so fast yeah and and what's great is that it's like their adaptation and quick thinking and just being able to just work well together which is hilarious because it's like it's it is ang and suko working together and they work so well together (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it's it's a it, the way again. It starts off very quiet, and then it just bursts through with like this incredible, like action of Zhao ringing the alarm. I mean, it's just like if you've ever played any kind of like stealth game too. It's like the anxiety-inducing like sounds of like an alarm bell going off, and you're like, oh no, oh no, they know I'm here. <laughs> It's so true. I was not too long ago. I was playing Far Cry, and I'm like, "Oh, that's like the first thing you do. <laughs> Get that bell out." Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, it's again great animation, uh, great use of like air bending. You know, Ang like using that staff to like make as a helicopter um, to try to like take them across, and then the use of like you know the ladders come up, but then taking the ladders and using them as stilts. I mean, it's just it's such it's great and it's just such a like a unique way to showcase that both Aang and Zuko have they're just so fast on their feet and it's why they are so talented in what they do not just as benders but just as like warriors uh in general yeah that's true it is kind of interesting because like you're saying it's like they neither of them knew they could fight together it's like before this but it's funny it's like you know what happens when um you know two different parties have to come together because the other one is the reason why they're alive or why they will get out of it alive. Yeah. Like, you know, for, you know, I mean, we don't know this at the time, but for Zuko, it's the avatar has to be alive and he has to capture him. And for Aang, it's, well, this guy just saved me from being killed and all these other people are trying to kill me. So, you know, enemy, my enemy is my friend kind of a thing. What are you talking about? Bipartisanness here, Kevin. I'm just saying, <laughs> I get that tonight is the state of the union, but seriously, I mean, <laughs> for this, don't bring your politics here. Hey, you know what to tap into uh, current meme culture right now. There are some politicians who have never seen the blue spirit and it shows. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, of course, as they're making their way out, they, are almost past the final wall, but then they get stopped and they fall to the ground in front of the gate. And Zhao rushes up and says, we need the Avatar alive. And again, getting back to that quick thinking, Zuko just immediately takes the broadswords up 
and puts them to Aang's throat. And reading that situation and knowing it's just like, oh, okay, you need him alive. It's like, well, I know what I know what I know what to play here. <laughs> it's kind of interesting because once we find out it's Zuko, it's kind of crazy when you see the difference in styles of fighting. The Blue Spirit is very deliberate, very thoughtful, very quick on their feet. Zuko is just like slam with fire at this point. Like he wasn't really he's so emotional to all of a sudden see this this Blue Spirit character. It's almost like, you know, we'll talk more about it. It's like he can inhabit something other than zuko yeah absolutely so true um and of course they are able to leave the base and zhao tells the yuyan archer to take the shot and take out the blue spirit and that leads to such an incredible reveal um i know oh man i mean when it goes out and then ang kicks up the dust cloud and looks over and sees that it is zuko behind the mask I mean, what a great twist and reveal. I know the first time I saw that, I was so blown away. I had no inkling that it was going to be Zuko. Um, but I, I don't know. What about you guys? Do you remember when you kind of first saw that and what your feelings were? So the first time I saw it, I, I definitely was like, oh, wow. But the second time I was like, you know, it could be it could be him. Um but you know, you're right. Is that it throws you off because Zuko is just so brash and un he doesn't he doesn't plan ahead whereas the blue spirit is pretty is pretty deliberate and he, he he's thoughtful you're right like all those things like they're almost polar opposites of one another in terms of how they approach a situation uh i will say though my my six-year-old knew it was zuko right away <laughs> like she even told us at the beginning of the wow. like she goes she goes mommy that's Zuko. I was like, no. I'm like trying to play all school. Like, no, no, it's not. I don't know. It could possibly it's be. Oh. Yeah. She's like, she's like, no, mommy, it's Zuko. Wow. So, oh my gosh. I asked why she thought that. She's like, who else would know to break in and get the avatar out because they basically want them for himself. Wow. She is so smart. Me. Looks over. Well, I'm done. I don't need to raise you anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's incredible. Uh, Man. Yeah, it it just made me feel like an idiot, though, because I'm like, wow, I was like in college watching this, and I don't think I really picked up on that right away, is that it's like, who else would break in and basically steal them, steal the avatar for himself because he was like, oh, and you're not getting the credit for this? No way. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Um, So, uh, of course... Aang's left with a decision and he turns and it looks like he's going to leave, but then he looks back and he decides to save Zuko. Um, again, I mean, that that is who Aang is. Um, it's such a great character moment because we are reaffirming his values and his like beliefs because, you know, that's that's air nomad tradition there i mean it's like you know you can't just leave someone to die like that i feel like is such a strong contradiction to the way that he views life and his philosophy um but i don't know did did that moment strike you any differently revisiting that or was it pretty much the same for you this time it's like you said, it is kind of interesting. Like the more I think, I think I'm thinking more into it probably than I did when I was a kid. I was just like, oh, okay, he's just rescuing him back. Whereas it's like when you start thinking about it, it's, you're right. It's like it's kind of the air nomad thing of, I mean, a the combat style is meant to, you know, almost like not harm the other person, kind of like Aikido. 
um, you know, just kind of move around and just get out of the situation. Um, but he was out of the situation. He could have just left and he'd have been totally fine. Nothing would have harmed Aang, you know, no harm, no foul. Didn't have to risk him anywhere near the UN, kick up the dust to get out. So it, it really speaks to his character because mm-hmm. he didn't have to go back. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then we get this amazing scene in the forest. Um, and what a great, just kind of calm, quieter note to transition to. Again, we talked about how this episode is so good with balance um, and the fact that we just had this incredibly intense action sequence followed by a very suspenseful and dramatic reveal. And now we're in this very quiet, peaceful scene in the forest. Aang is sitting very pensively and Zuko is slowly regaining consciousness. And Aang shares this story about his experience growing up and his friend Kuzan and all the trouble that they would get into and how Kuzan was from the Fire Nation. And he asks Zuko, do you think we could have been friends? And of course, Zuko answers him with a fireball. (laughs) (laughs) But I, I don't know, like I it was such a beautiful moment, especially revisiting that for me was it, it is what a great lesson, especially for like kids to see that because it's like Zuko has tried again and again to harm Aang and capture him. But yet Aang is still trying to empathize and understand. And of course, he's you know, part of it is thankful because he rescued him. But like, again, he could have just left him. He didn't need to like stay and do that. But, you know, that's not who Aang is. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And it's a big thing because it's like, you know, in this they're showing there's these four nations of people, essentially four different races of people in, in a way. And Aang's just like, look, just because, you know, we're currently at war doesn't mean that, you know, you know, nations or races are at, always at war. It's, you know, it's people are people and everyone's an individual. It's like, clearly it's like, there's nothing preventing us from being friends. I've been friends with a fire nation person before. So there's something I always wonder about this scene. And I, I, you know, every time I go back and watch it again, I always wonder over and over and over again, you know, Zuko's all consuming thing is to catch, capture the avatar, right? Within feet of the avatar now remember Zuko's actually a pretty good firebender right he goes to shoot off a fireball and he misses <laughs> like i get that Aang, like the avatar and sort of a airbending prodigy and all but you know the stormtrooper <laughs> effect <laughs> is well, it really that is it really the stormtrooper effect or is it more or less no he's a major the- character he, he should be able to hit that yeah let's let's think about this right Maybe Zuko never really wanted to capture the avatar. Like he he says he wants to get him, right? And then when he does get him, it's like a dog with a you know dog chasing his tail. He's like, oh, now I've got it. What do I do? Like he knows that if he takes it home, it, does it really fulfill his purpose in life, or is this really his purpose? Is to always be out trying to capture the avatar? That's true. Yeah, but, it may have just been his emotions <laughs> overcoming his brain. Yeah, exactly. So like it's always one. Of and I always wonder about when I'm sitting there rewatching this episode over and over again. I'm like, does he really want the Avatar? I mean, like, come on, he's a major character. He should be able to hit that. You're right. He's not. He's not like this. He's not a red shirt Star Trek or, you know, <laughs> character. He's not 
Stormtrooper. No no name Stormtrooper. Well, I mean, you know, and we'll get into this later. I think it, a lot of it gets back to what Iroh calls him out on in terms of not thinking things through. And also just, you know, he's so consumed by the chase that he's not considering what comes next. Um, so, yeah. And, and with that, the Blue Spirit ends. Uh, Zuko returns back uh, to the ship in which... We excitedly have a bejeweled monkey alert. <laughs> bejeweled so monkey hashtag. Can we go- hashtag this bejeweled monkey again? Yes. Get it trending, people. Hashtag bejeweled monkey. I expect this to be trending. <laughs> um, and of course, uh, it, 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 there is such an incredible uh, final scene. Um, in the way that it's uh, portrayed. Uh, Aang, of course, returns back with the frogs, um, helps uh, Sokka and Katara recover and all that. But Aang lies down, and it does this crossfade and pan as it goes over to Zuko lying in bed. And the camera switches, and we see the Fire Nation flag hanging on the wall, and Zuko turns away from it. And then the episode yeah. ends. And just talking about what a powerful image that is to show this tumultuous relationship that Suko has with his own nation and his country and like what it means and like what he suffers through and kind of how this journey to get the Avatar, it seemingly is always ending in disaster or him getting hurt or something like this. And it's like, the only reason that he's on this is to return home, return to his nation. And I just thought it was such an incredible way to end that and also add a little bit more to, you know, what Zuko was kind of going through and hashing through in the previous episode in the storm uh, with like his feelings about his banishment. Yeah. It's kind of, kind of a crazy scene. Yeah. Cause you watching him turn away. Cause it, it's one of those like, you know, Bright loves to build complex characters. And, you know, before that it was the, you know, when the episode starts, the Blue Spirit and Zuko, at least in terms of the audience, weren't the same person. Now that you know they are, now you know there's this, you know, tumult in his heart of what he really wants. And now we see here he turns away from the flag. What he wants is not what's for the nation. That's what's for him. Yeah. Well, I mean, he did just commit treason for Pete's sake. Is <laughs> that? I mean, yeah, I mean, that is but true. I also, so it gets back to our point is that, you know, when he's the Blue Spirit, he's way more deliberate and he's more focused and he's just a better fighter overall. And then when he uses his firebending, he's in some, when he's not, when he's emotional, he, it's not controlled. It's not, it's not deliberate. It's not, it's not focused. And you can see it in several fight scenes when it comes to Aang, but that's one of the questions I always have is when he's not being when he's not doing what he believes he should be doing as a prince of the fire nation. Zuko is a much better, more focused fighter. And maybe it's because he doesn't have that burden. Like even when he goes on that date lay later in the series and he decides that they're just going to live in this town and they're going to be tea shop people with Iroh. And he goes on that date with that girl and he lights all the lights, all the, um, lanterns right yeah 
like it's su- that's got to be super focused to be able to do that really oh, quickly like that incredible amount of finesse it's, yeah yeah so like it's but he let go of that overcoming need and feel as being like that pressure and it feels like that's what he is when he's the blue spirit he lets go of that entire pressure because he's not acting in desire for what the fire nation wants what the fire nation expects or his father expects he's he's doing what zuko wants to do and so i think you start here seeing that zuko's desire like that's that inner turmoil of being a teenager you don't really know what the heck you want to do with your life when you're 15 years old but you have this pressure sometimes from adults to um be what they expect you to be yeah so absolutely pretty much everything i wanted to say in this episode was right there (laughs) (laughs) and she did it very well (laughs) so with that we are going to transition into another piece of this kind of blue spirit puzzle and we wanted i wanted to talk about this because as i was researching and everything i remembered that there was some blue spirit context um, from an older story that came out. So again, as we said at the beginning of this, this is officially something that was written for the movie that shall not be named. Um, it was written by actually uh, friends of ours that we have interviewed on the old version of the podcast, uh, Dave Roman and Allison Wilgus. Um, they wrote the story for what is known as the prequel Zuko that. story. That's yeah. Cool. <laughs> um, so, and the art was by uh, Nina Matsumoto. And basically, this was an, uh, kind of a, a manga that came out before the movie um, to lead in to the events of basically what was the beginning of Avatar The Last Airbender, and in this case, The Last Airbender. Um, and it was great to revisit it. Wait, are we speaking of that awful movie? I thought we said we were never going to speak of that again. <laughs> I know. And th- this is packed never to talk about that again if I'm correct. Uh, I know. But this is the way that I see it. I don't want to talk about anything that M. Night Shyamalan directly directed. <laughs> because I feel like he is the one who, who ruined it. But without going down that rabbit hole, um, I do want to talk a little bit about this because I think that it is very pertinent. And whether or not it is officially part of the you know avatar series canon i think that the story that it tells is still very insightful um and basically this this manga which is beautifully drawn um it is like it is incredible art um it basically tells the story of zuko after his banishment leading up until the invasion of the southern water tribe and we get to see some great scenes with you know zuko post like Agni Kai and going to the Western Air Temple. He actually even goes to the Eastern Air Temple at one point and like chases down Guru Patik and like thinks that he's the Avatar. <laughs> um, <laughs> right age. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but the scene that I the, the the part of the story that I really want to focus on is um, is when he goes to a Earth Kingdom, uh, sorry, a Fire Nation colony, and. While he's there, some of their supplies get stolen um, by a figure in a mask. 
Zuko goes to this performance in town and he recognizes that the way that this individual who's on stage, this performer is moving, must have been the person who infiltrated and and basically took their supplies. Long story short, this guy is the spirit, the mask, this like original, as they call it in the story, the red spirit, um, which as a fun fact was originally what Mike and Brian thought they were going to um, do with this character of the blue spirit. Originally it was talked about as being the red spirit, but they decided on the blue spirit instead. Um, And basically Zuko helps this guy get his son back who has been captured by um, these like Fire Nation soldiers and they both go undercover and they infiltrate this place. They get the son back and there's a great moment where Zuko starts firebending and he says like, why aren't you firebending? And the guy says, that's the best reason why I don't because they'll never suspect that it's me. Yeah. Which is a good point because, yeah, I mean, it takes a lot of strain as the Blue Spirit, which he clearly was inspired by to not firebend because it just gives away everything. And the other the other point of note, too, is that this character also uses uh, the double broadsword um, that Zuko uses as the Blue Spirit as well. Um, And what they eventually get the, the man's son back and Zuko has this like moment where his temper flares and he almost like reports them. Uh, to like this like Fire Nation um, like uh, captain who's there, but then he steps away. And when Zuko returns to his ship, he finds the supplies that he needed were were there for him, as well as the two broadswords and seemingly the mask and a note from that guy thanking him for helping him save his son. And again, the reason I wanted to bring this up even though it is associated with the movie. I think it's just so interesting that they got to dive into this and show that, you know, where did Zuko get that inspiration? Where did the mask come from? Where did he, or why did he decide to, you know, have the double broadswords? And again, as we were saying, it gives him this opportunity to inhabit something that is not him. But I don't know. Yeah. And I don't know if you guys got a chance to read it or like what you just thought about that. If that kind of changes your perception on things or I don't know. What do you guys think? I got a chance to read it uh, a little before. And I think it like I think we were chatting a little before this and I was saying it's like I had ideas of why the blue spirit and Zuko were so different, like him trying to inhabit himself as uh, Susan was saying. It's like, you know, as a teenager, it's like you're trying to figure yourself out. Um, so getting to see kind of the whole backstory to why he became what he was. Uh, I really liked it because it seeing the turmoil that was in him before he was even the blue spirit. Cause it makes sense. Like the blue spirit, he had clearly either taken on that persona before or had thought about it because that's not just something he just like slapped on the blue spirit mask and was like, okay, sweet. Now I'm this like super stealthy ninja. Um, that's also really good with swords. You know, he, he had been practicing for this. Like he clearly wanted this he he wanted to be this but he was still zuko of the fire nation his ozai son hunting the avatar as a firebender but at least as the blue spirit he can kind of inhabit what i want to say his heart wanted hmm. what about you susan is it wrong that i always wanted him to be the blue spirit because of iroh's son maybe was the blue spirit at one point oh, like, whoa. oh man <laughs> well i'm gonna have to sit and think a little <laughs> bit on that one 
That's how I always wanted it. Like I, I always had this vision in my head. I don't know why, where, you know, maybe Iroh's son really didn't embody what the war was for. And he was the blue spirit, like trying to help like some of the colony, like the people living in the colonies, like earthbenders and things like that by stealing from the fire nation. And like a little Zuko saw him and actually found out he was the blue spirit and, like, so when he died, he took up that, he took it up as he was, after he was banished, because he's, like, trying to find himself, and he figures, like, like, some kind of, like, he's trying just to figure out who he is, and, like, somehow, like, he's remind and, like, I guess Iroh tells him a story, and he's just reminded, like, that's what I always wanted it to be, like, that he just had that connection, like, to Iroh's son, but it sounds so crazy, but, like, that's kind of what I wanted a little bit. And that's why Ira wants him to give up the mask later down the series is because he saw what it did to his own son and his son never fully embraced who he really wanted to be. And Ira feels responsible for that. And that's why his son died. So he wants Zuko to embrace it. Like, it's so weird, but I always wanted that to kind of be what it was. Um, I mean, not that the story was bad or anything like that. I mm. really did enjoy the story. I thought it was a good story, too. And I, I, I like that they called it the Red Spirit and stuff like that. Um but I mean, like that's what I always just had, like that vision of it being, and maybe that's just me being weird. But I was wanted, I was kind of wanted that a little bit because then it also gets to like when Iroh's kind of like telling him to get rid of it. It's because Iroh's telling him, "Look, I accept you as you are," and that's Iroh also basically accepting him because he realized that not by not accepting his own son previously and trying to force this image upon his own son that he felt his son should be. Um, partially may have been what attributed to his death wow man susan mm. you went full throttle on that that was that was incredible but that's, man that was I mean, heavy like, always <laughs> i can't draw so like yeah. i was kind of hope for that it, <laughs> I, I wanted someone to really draw that for me because i was like it, i still do like i'm just saying um please draw that and just send it in and we will more than happily be excited to talk about it. <laughs> yes. I have always wanted to see a comic done about that. So I have too. I've always wanted that. I think that was like my one dance in the fan fiction was Iro like the Iroh sun and mm. spirit world thing. Uh-huh. Um, so here's right, one and thing. He kind I, of he into his son in the spirit world in some fashion. But something, cause I tried to relate the fact that he could see spirits and things like that. So I was like, Oh, how do you like, associate the fact that he could see spirits lost his son maybe he went hunting for his son in the spirit world like oh i have so many questions you kind of always hope too that it was like the way his son died was because iroh was supposed to die and maybe that's why he can see spirits interesting mm. and there's i've always read there's actually like this fan theory that iroh is technically dead what oh my gosh like, oh, there's a whole fan so theory sense. about it like, he's dead people <laughs> Yeah, like, like there's this idea that like Iroh actually dies at some point during the series because people just stop really talking to him. But I'm like, then how does everyone see him at the end? Yeah, like oh. it's like oh. those things. Oh, oh so God. I found one thing. Uh, sorry to we were talking about the comic. So one of the, my favorite parts of this comic, and this is what I've really wanted to get to, is uh, at some point after uh, you know the they see oh what's you know the old. The guru at the air temple, Zuko's going crazy, doesn't know the world. Iroh's line of, a journey of self-discovery is never pointless, Prince Zuko. However dim your path may seem and however far you may wander from it, the important thing is that you will learn from all your mistakes along the way and never forget one moment who you are or what you are struggling to be. The gut punch that that was 
like it made me think it's everything I love about Iroh and Zuko's character. And it made me think I was telling you, Khan, I wanted to quote this from uh, Thus Spoke Zarathustra by uh, Friedrich Nietzsche. But the worst enemy you can meet will always be yourself. You lie in wait for yourself in caverns and forests. You must be ready to burn yourself in your own flame. How can you become new if you had not first become ashes? Mm. The idea being Zuko had to go through all this tumult and questioning his, himself, his self-worth, what everything was about, the fact that he was hunting you know, the Avatar for Ozai to win his love. And ultimately, Iroh knew and never told Zuko what to do. He let Zuko find it. What Zuko wanted was what Zuko wanted, which was not the Avatar, but you know, for himself to save the world. Yeah. Sorry. I'm just going to leave that there. Hey, man, that is great. Sucking on frogs to (laughs) cure poison. Wow. (laughs) Bounce it out. We're getting deep in this episode. Yeah, for real. That's why I'm so happy they have them frogs hopping out of their mouths at the end of the episode. (laughs) Because right now it's like, like, they can only hit you so hard. Uh, I I think at this point, Juncture, Colin should somehow splice in a ribbit sound just to make everyone laugh. <laughs> I feel like we're getting deeper and deeper, man. Yeah. But hey, again, props to Dave Roman and Allison Wilgus for writing something like that and keeping in with the character of the voices. Again, this was something that we saw before the movie came out, and it was why we were like, oh, man. Well, if this is like happening before the movie, then clearly maybe something great will happen oh, with this. man, I know. <laughs> Well, and with that, let us let us close that chapter of this discussion. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, guys. Uh, thanks so much for listening to episode 13 of The Legend of Portalcast. Um, we were really excited to uh, put together this episode, talk about the Blue Spirit as a whole. Hope you're enjoying the episode so far. Um, just wanted to take this opportunity to, again, uh, plug all of our social medias, uh, you can find us on Twitter at Portalcast Pod, uh, Facebook and Instagram at Legend of Portalcast, and our website, uh, legendofportalcast.com. Um, so remember, from there, you can subscribe uh, to our iTunes, um, and we really encourage uh, leave a rating and review. Um, we're, you know, really starting to pick up steam. We're really proud of the work that we've been doing so far, and uh, just leaving a quick review. Um, honest and whatever you feel about the show honestly we love feedback um, but it helps a lot in terms of getting our name out there Um, there's like a certain average of ratings that it doesn't show up until so either way i don't know all the science and technology behind it but uh, either way we really appreciate it the support from all of you guys has been so incredible Um, we're so excited to continue doing this Um, and remember if you have any questions or feedback or want to uh, suggest Anything that you'd like to hear us discuss, uh, please reach out to us on social media or email us at legendofportalcast at gmail.com. Well, thanks so much, guys. Enjoy the rest of this show. Flamio, Hotman. So as as this all continues, um, you know, with the series, Zuko continues to use the mask um, over the series um one note that i actually i just remembered i didn't even have this uh, originally written down was that there is that great moment where i uh, i believe it is in the waterbending master or um siege of the north part one but it is when uh zhao commandeers zuko's ship 
for the invasion. And he sees inside Zuko's quarters the pair of broadswords. And Zhao's like, I didn't know that you use broadswords. And Zuko kind of scrambles for a second. It's like purely decorative. Yes. And it's like Zhao has figured it out. He can't outright like make the accusation, but Zhao is like, who else could it be? Yeah, he's already filed that away in his head of something to use for later. Yeah, that's how you know someone's a true like evil villain when they're like, oh, here's something I'm going to use to my advantage later. Yep, and just waits. Yep, and he uses it to justify the pirates uh, going into uh, to uh, try to kill Zuko. Which there is our bejeweled monkey connection, folks. The blue spirit into the bejeweled monkey into the pirates <laughs> killing or trying to kill Zuko. It's all connected. It's all connected. Um, so in other words, the bejeweled monkey, monkey was spying on Zuko and telling the pirates <laughs> so the pirates could kill Zuko. Is that is that what I'm hearing here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so as uh, it transitions into book two, um, Zuko uses the mask again, but now it is using the mask as they are on the run. They are fugitives from the Fire Nation, and when they are down on their luck, he becomes the blue spirit and uses it to steal and basically try to provide for them. And suddenly something that had intentions that were seemingly either neutral or rooted in some kind of code are now starting to deviate towards something darker. And I think that it's very much this, it is going concurrently with Zuko's transformation over the course of book two. Um, and one of the things, uh, that we do see in the next, like the episode that really features, uh, of course, like kind of this end of the arc of the blue spirit is Lake Lao guy. And before this episode, Zuko is struggling with his sense of identity. Um, it's when he has like these fever dreams. Um, he is, uh, or actually is that after Lake Lao guy? It is. I think it's after. Oh, yeah. When it's yeah. like his two halves are competing yeah. against each other. So, but I do want to bring up that point because that episode, it, it is after this Lake Lao guy episode. But you think about that scene where he has that like nightmare where he is confronted by the two dragons in his like in this kind of dreamscape. And the voice of Iroh is the red dragon and the voice of Azula is the blue dragon. And of course, the red dragon symbolizing this kind of like uh, path more towards good and self-recognition and like taking ownership of what you want to do and the more cold, calculating, you know, kind of dabbling into a little bit of chaos and evil with uh, Azula in the blue dragon, which I thought was such a great way, again, to use that kind of color sim like those color symbols together. And again, Azula, blue flames. There's so much that Mike and Brian use in terms of color and color theory and association with characters that it really goes deep. And I think that it is not a coincidence that when they originally thought of making it the red spirit, changed it to blue and what they kind of built on from that. But I don't know. What, mm. what about you guys in terms of like, did you have any other thoughts in terms of like 
the use of like mm. that color or anything else with that? That's a good point. Yeah, it's because yeah, red, the red and blue. Yeah, yeah. It's a, I never thought about it. It's like I always knew, like thought there was a duality to Zuko and the Blue Spirit. I didn't think about the colors and the dragons comparison, which is true. Being you know kind of the angel and devil on his shoulder. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice connection. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a, You're right because these guys always think the about this. <laughs> well, think about it. It's also a prelude to later when the dragons judge him and Aang. Yes. In oh. the in the in the first Firebending Masters, oh, when true, the yeah. dragon, the dragons judged them by flame. So I mean, that's a big part of it. But you're right; is that the blue is representing chaos and chaotic um, nature, and the red, which is typically what he hones to the fire, his fire sense, is dutiful. It's it's structured it's you know everything it's supposed to be and so it's the balancing of you know that nature inside of oneself i mean um i think that's a big important part Mm. so that's that's definitely um you know you you make a lot of good points there with the with the color aspect of it yeah and i have no doubt they think about these things it's like bright you know normally doesn't toss something in for no reason yeah, and I mean they both come from a like an art and illustrating like background. So this is very much like the types of ways that they see the world, they interpret art. It's just like you have to have an understanding of color theory if you're going to be kind of in that world and dealing with, you know, that type of field. Um but I I, I want to get back to Lake Laogai. Um and again, Zuko is kind of in this moment where it is his back is against the wall. Um, They are kind of at this point where, yes, they're potentially getting a, um, you know, they have an apartment. They're starting to get a little bit more uh, like, you know, footing and everything. But like Zuko feels like Iroh is kind of pushing this like life of acceptance and just being like, hey, we have a good thing going here. Why don't we just kind of like make life what it is? But Zuko is driven by this destiny that he so firmly believes in. And he wants to do anything. And he gets this lead about Appa being missing. And that leads him to taking down a Dai Li agent as the Blue Spirit to try to learn about Lake Laogai. And I mean, here it is. It's just like the 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 Dai Li are like these like very very terrifying agents of, you know, just like they're incredibly skilled. And again, it just goes to show the incredible prowess that he has as the Blue Spirit in terms of his stealth, in terms of his effectiveness. He takes him down, and he learns about Lake Laogai. And of course, he goes there, gets to Appa, and he's confronted by Iroh in just such a powerful scene. Um, so I just want to kind of focus on that scene, the role of Iroh and um, just what that kind of means with, you know, Zuko, you know, Iroh obviously finding out that Zuko is the blue spirit. I, I don't know. What was that like for you guys to either revisit that scene or just kind of considering that again? After going through the the comic in addition to those episodes, what I found interesting, and it's, you know, through the whole series, is that Iroh never tells Zuko what to do. But Iroh knows he has to help Zuko get to where he needs to be. 
Um, and I'm sure it's, you know, a lesson that you know, any parent can tell you or any teenager can tell you who didn't want to do something, but ultimately looks back on it years later and is like, oh, yeah, that was a good idea, hmm. is Iroh, at this point, he's hit the point where, yeah, he's not going to tell Zuko what to do, but he's going to very strongly recommend Zuko not do <laughs> the brash thing. Do the thing that when you when he sits and thinks about it, what do you know is actually the right thing to do? Not necessarily what it is that your passions want you to do. Mm. And his passion was, you know, all right, let me just do that. But it's like didn't really think it through. Whereas if he thinks it through, much like essentially the blue spirit does, ironically, um, he could go, oh, no, what I really need to do is this. Mm. And I wrote, you know. Even though he's essentially, you know, trying to get Zuko to do what he needs to do, I Iroh never tells him like you're an idiot. This is what you're supposed to do, because he knows what's Zuko going to do. The other thing, mm -hmm. it's <laughs> so it, it's very, you know, craft. Not to say crafty, but you know, just wise of Iroh to know he just needs to guide Zuko to the end that Zuko knows he needs to do. Because you know, you can lead a horse to water, kind of a thing. He knows Zuko needs to know what he's doing is the right thing, not because he's being forced to do it. Mm. Yeah, because Iro could have just you know blasted it off, taken the mask, run away. I mean, he's a he's a general, you yeah. know, of the whole freaking at some point of the yeah. whole Fire Nation army. Pretty sure he can make Zuko do what he what Iro wants him to do, but he knows that's not the way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And sorry, go yeah, go ahead, Susan. What are you gonna say? No, I, I was just agreeing. I think um, you know you're hitting the nail on the head there. Is that it's always about making sure that you know. I think the other big part of this is, I mean, let's think about how the beginning starts with the Blue Spirit. The Blue Spirit really is like Zuko's way of rebelling against the Fire Nation. And and then, like, you know, as, as time goes on, you know, he's doing something as the Blue Spirit that Zuko, the old Zuko for the Fire Nation, would want to do. Mm. Um, so it's... it's um, it's a bit it's a bit conundrum because the blue spirit was initially his freedom from that from that responsibility and now it's become you know a way for him to inhabit that responsibility mm. i don't know i feel like this is iro basically saying hey zuko by the way you know why are you wearing a mask when you could just be you mm. and uh yeah i mean you can be, he's like kind of trying to reiterate to Zuko that you can have both sides of yourself. It's not, it's not a, a competition, if you will, with one side versus the other. It's accepting that as a person, you have a balance of two sides. One that wants that peace, that sanctity, and then the part that understands that maybe there's some kind of higher purpose to their being. But, you know, it's the way you balance it that leads you to a fuller life. Um, and I think it's always been Ira's message the whole time. That's why he likes tea because yeah. he requires a specific <laughs> balance. Mm, yeah. So I don't know. No, it's good, and that's why I wanted to bring. That's why I brought up that uh, the Zarathustra quote before is because I always love that idea of their point was it's like it's one thing to fight for what you have come to believe in. It's another thing to um, kind of you know like this like Zuko almost he has to like be burnt down to his core to what he actually believes in to then build himself up to then say, no, this is actually what I want. This is actually what I will fight for. Not what he thinks he's supposed to fight for. Mm, yeah. I mean, it's, it's such a powerful moment delivered by Iroh. Um, and I mean, th this is, I think 
this is Mako at his best um, in terms of like vocal performance because it just shows we obviously we see Iroh having tender calm moments but you can tell that even though he is not telling Zuko what to do he's not giving it to him lightly and he is very very angry or just like kind of upset that it has kind of come to this and just you know he really brings it up to him it's just like you know this is what happened when you took the avatar at the north pole you like didn't think it through and you almost froze to death and now what are you going to do with the bison are you going to put it in our apartment and it's just like you don't think these things through and it's like now is the time you have to ask these questions what it is that you want and it's delivering those hard truth and delivering that in that moment. I think Iroh recognizing that, you know, again, Zuko is at this crossroads where he is changing. And again, as you were saying, Susan, kind of how the blue spirit was an escape for him in book one. As Zuko evolved and started to become the person that he wasn't in book one, as they were fugitives, as they were living in Bossing, say, he went on a date. And he is, you know, going through these changes. We had the development of Zuko alone. Suddenly, that escape that he was going to for the Blue Spirit, it's the other, you know, the, the coin flips. And as Zuko flipped to that other, or starting to flip to the other side, so too the Blue Spirit. And what a potent moment for Iroh to deliver that message and to really hit that home. And, of course, it leads to this scene very quiet up at the lake and Zuko drops the mask into the water and it just sinks to the bottom. Again, and this is why I wanted my Luten story so badly. <laughs> was because I wanted like this scene to be so powerful in my head even more than it was. Like, it's powerful, but I wanted it to be like over the top powerful for both characters. Yeah. I still think it could work as a headcanon because if you apply that to that scene, it's got like so much, yeah. so much good stuff. <laughs> uh, See, like I'm just in my head. That's canon now. Okay, like that's where I'm at. Okay. Ah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. Um. So kind of with that all in mind, and I mean we've kind of like gotten into this discussion, but now that we've kind of reviewed all of this and we talk this out. What are some of your thoughts now in terms of this character of the Blue Spirit and what you feel about its purpose in the story and the purpose in Zuko's growth as a character? I have to say, I didn't really think too much into this character the first time around. I can't imagine I did. It was just an exciting character. Um, even rewatching the show years later, it's still like, oh, that's a cool character. Now that I'm looking more into it, it makes Zuko's character it was already an interesting character. One of the most interesting characters in the, in the series. Um, to me, it's like, if anyone is a big fan of, uh, reading game of Thrones, um, Jamie's character mm. where, yeah, he's on the, uh, you know, the quote unquote opposing side, but he's much more complex than that. Like what he's thinking, there's so much more going on behind the scenes. And with Zuko as the blue spirit, you get to see it all pretty out there as like a kind of a main plot line of, here's a character who thought they knew everything, everything they wanted. 
And, you know, the first time around, and then, you know, their father just slapped them in the face with fire. Well, then they're right out. All right, so there goes that. Okay, well, no, it's fine. I'll just come back and I'll avenge it for my father. And then spends, you know, uh, another year trying to do that. That doesn't really work. And then he ends up at this point where it's like everything he believed in, family, duty, honor, country, just all right out the window. And he had to, you know, go through the the transformation of discovering what it was that not only what they thought was right, but, you know, as the show showed, what was right, which was, you know, to fight for the world, not and the avatar, not for your own selfish desires or what you thought was actually what you wanted. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, that's what I think that's what I came away with was finding not what you think you want or what others tell you you're supposed to want. Like, you know, as I saying, capture the avatar, but actually figuring out what it is that, you know, in your heart is right. Mm-hmm. So it, it makes his character so immensely much deeper looking back on it now Susan I, I kind of agree with it I think the first time around you watch it you're like oh it's a great character and then like the plot revealing you're like whoa plot twist um but you know going back now and thinking about it a little more it I mean I, I think I've referenced it enough throughout this thing but you know it's kind of like when you're younger do you remember being in high school and you had your public self when you're with your friends and stuff and then you had your like your home self, which was like a completely different person sometimes. Like, I, I know I did. I imagine others did too. Like, you know, yeah. I think when I was mm-hmm. in school, I probably never have cop. I would never have copped to the idea that I like was over the moon about anime and totally into Star Wars. And I could quote Star Wars if you'd asked me. I don't think I would have owned that up as much in high school. Um, but man, get me home, probably would have owned it all. In fact, I can tell you now, I don't think in high school, you know, I don't think I owned it as much, but I knew like every Spice Girl song by heart. <laughs> nice. Uh, yes. Uh, but I can tell you now as an adult, I totally own it. And it's so funny because I, I remember there are people I knew in high school that never would have admitted they knew every Sync song or Backstreet Boys song. And now as adults are like, oh, I love that song. And I'm like, seriously? I feel like you guys like literally ragged on this band, this group, like when you're growing <laughs> up, like, but you, you imagine there's like people literally who are completely different people when they're at home and then work. I, I know I am in the work field in the work field. I'm a completely different person than when I go home and I'm like, Oh, I can take off this whole work blouse thing and just hang out in my <laughs> super Mario t-shirt. And, oh, I don't know. Like it, it, it's because you have like your, your, your professional side versus your relaxed side. And I think that's kind of, you know, what we see with the blue spirit here in this character is the blue spirit was supposed to be Zuko's side where he's not the prince of the fire nation. Um, and this whole, this whole series of episodes was, it's basically a way for him to have that ability. Cause can you imagine being on a boat with your uncle and crew for months on end looking for the avatar? I'm pretty confident. He really didn't have any other way to be like himself outside of, I must hunt the avatar. I must get back my honor. <laughs> um, I mean, he probably didn't have that openness. And I think it, they do a great job here showing that, you know, to make the characters as realistic as possible and as complex as possible. And I, I give Frank a lot of credit for this because it gave more depth and complexity to the show than most children shows take or kid shows or any show took for that matter during the early two thousands, I think. Um, 
And remember, we grew up in the time with like the best X Men ever, too. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> remember the Saturday morning X Men, which mm. was so awesome. Oh, I felt this right in my ear. Right in my what an earworm. They strived. They strived for complexity, and yet, you know, never. It almost it got lost in the 2000s. I feel like the cartoons of the 2000s lost the complexity of the cartoons in the 90s, like Gargoyles. Um, and I know people are gonna be like, "Oh my gosh, you actually watch that show?" Um, Gargoyles was like, amazing. <laughs> where, where on earth is Carmen San Diego actually had a, a decent storyline? Even when Tim Curry became the villain eventually, um, you know, yeah. there was a storyline there. There was a storyline. But, like, it was complex, too, because Carmen Hatt was an agent of Acme at one point. Now she's not an agent of Acme. I mean, but, like, in the 2000s, cartoons kind of started stop using the idea of complexity characters and had, like, pretty flat characters that were pretty static characters that didn't really challenge themselves with the exception of, you know, oh, here's this story, like, SpongeBob SquarePants. Uh, like, I mean, it's it's almost like we went backwards in our cartoons being complex stories and i think that's one thing that i never really understood about avatar and gave it credit for is that it brought back the idea of complex cartoons can do well with children and family yeah. it can be animated without being a cartoon yeah exactly well and i i don't think that it was just it was just animation um and i think a lot of what happened was in a post 9-11 world we as you know especially as a country did not like complexity we wanted things to be very black and white good versus evil and things to be explained in simpler context because it was such a traumatic event for so many people again it it is one of the biggest reasons why the lord of the rings on top of being incredible films were such a huge success because it is such a classic good versus evil like setup in that movie, the first one came out in December of 2001. The other ones came out in 2002 and 2003. And just... You th- I forgot about that. So yeah. during... I mean, like, this, this was like... It's one of my favorite points in, like, film history. So it's like, I, I love this era because it, it... That event affected media and art in such a profound way. But again, you're so right with what Avatar did was it started to bring complexity back. And we started to see more of that because you think about going into 2005, 2006, 2007, and then we get in 2008, The Dark Knight. And we get something that is riddled with like complexity, that it has like all of these like moral gray areas where we really don't know kind of like what to think. And it's kind of this, you know, it's it's the remnants of those feelings of like, wow, what did we just kind of go through? How do we just kind of go back to seeing the world in such like stark black and white terms? And again, I think it's why, you know, the avatar resonated with so many people on so many different ages because you had these complex characters. It wasn't just kind of these simple setups that we had been served for the past, like, you know, five, six, seven years. And it really took it to places that were really unique. And I think a lot of that was because Mike and Brian pulled so much from worldwide culture. And it wasn't just something that was strictly an American show or, you know, something that was like, you know, rooted in 
one particular kind of Western worldview. You know, it's it's the perspective of so many different people and so many different cultures. And I think that that's why they were able to bring that complexity to it. And I'm so glad that you brought that up in terms of that feeling, because again, the, like blue, the blue spirit as this character is so interesting in terms of like the way that it arcs and the impact that it makes on Zuko's character growth and how this disposal of the mask and the following episode where Zuko has these fever dreams and then he comes out of them feeling like this new man and he is seemingly turning to good. And then he turns on his uncle at the crossroads of destiny. And what a great way to, you have this buildup, you have this like, oh my gosh, Zuko is actually making this growth. He is actually like turning to the good side and then he completely turns that on its edge. But it's not like it's not without reason. It is just him reverting back to that and kind of that base desire to have something that was always there for him. Get your honor back. Be accepted. You can return home. And this yeah. is just speculating, but do you ever feel like, okay, so going back and thinking about the Crossroads of Destiny a little bit, and, you know, Mike and Brian do these things to basically be, they don't do something without purpose. Do you ever feel like when you're watching The Crossroads of Destiny and Zuko chooses to go back to what he knows, back to what is easy, back to what he is expected to understand, um, do you ever feel like that's that's Mike and Brian basically sticking it to the censors, being like, you know, ha, you know, I know you want us to like, or Nickelodeon and basically intangibly the Nickelodeon saying, I know you wanted us to just have this cute little carty cartoon show, but you know, we wanted to do this and then kind of show it. Like, I always feel like that's something it's like to kind of make the audience go, Oh, we didn't want Zuko to go that way. And it's like Mike and Brian trying to be like, then don't ever be that way yourself. Like, you know, <laughs> uh, don't accept the mediocrity. That is what we've grown accustomed to after nine 11, like kind of idea. And I, 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 I totally agreed. I never really rethought that until you mentioned it, Colin, is that, you know, I remember the world before nine 11. I was in high school when nine 11 happened. Um, 10th grade. I, yeah. Oh, oh, I was in 10th grade. <laughs> Think about that for a so, like, I remember, like, I had 15 years pre-9-11. Because um, a lot of people I went to school with went to fight in, to fight in Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, but I, like, and then I remember the post-9-11, how the, sent, the sect of movies that came out and the shows we were, got turned away from the idea of having... Um, characters that weren't just pretty flat characters or multi-dimensional characters. I mean, we went away from all that. Um, there were there were of course exceptions, but I think as a general, as a general, but they weren't well. nearly as. Mm. And I and there were and you're right. There was like the good versus evil. There had to be a distinct bad guy. There had to be a distinct good guy. It was never like really as 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 complex as it once was. I mean, with the exception of Batman 2000, I think, you know, the Batman Beyond. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I think that, that that also is like we started to see more of that complexity start to happen in the mid to late 2000s because that was also when we started realizing how kind of big of a like foreign policy blunder and that a lot of people saw it that way that just like, whoa, like, hold on, wait a second, like what happened here? 
like now that we're starting to get more of the facts, now that we have some time to like distance ourselves from this and looking back on it, we're like, what, what just happened? Like, what did we all go through as a country? And it's just like, again, it's that fallout afterwards. And it's like dealing with those emotions. And I think it's like, it's a reflection of like why we not only got complex films and TV shows, but also it's like things got way darker in terms of like the content that came out. But it was like, we went from being like wanting to be this completely light side. Here's the facts to like almost a very dark hue of gray because it was to basically reiterate that, you know, there's so much shadowing going on that we're not seeing as a country. Um, and just being, we're like puppets being played, played for played Mm. with. And I think that's what you started seeing is that that representation started coming through as well, because, you know, people were just like, except, of what they were told rather than just questioning what they were told and maybe that's why we it was not long after that the v for vendetta came out oh yeah absolutely and that was really the movie i feel like that really turned the tide of like certain people and i think what v came out what year again um i know hold on guys we're all googling this now you know i can't remember and for one of the few movies i watched once with one of my friends it was 2005 Oh wow! I was just trying to remember. It's like I remember watching it with one of my friends. I want—I couldn't remember if it was high school or just in the college. And we finished watching the movie, and we just looked at each other. We're like, "One more time!" <laughs> yeah. And I watched yeah, it. and I've yeah, and so 2005, you know, V for Vendetta comes out, and people see it that are in college that remember seeing on TV what happened to the towers, and then you get this stark. I remember V for Vendetta was written many, many moons ago as a graphic novel. It did not come out after 9-11, but it's still one of those things where you watch the movie and you're like, should we be questioning things a little bit more? And I think that's really where you start seeing the transition also start occurring more more into the media. When V Vendetta did so well, it's when it's really like, okay, we can we can get dirty and tell these stories again. Yeah. Um, Which, you know, again, that's also what you start to lead to with the third season of Avatar, you know, you have yep. Zuko questioning the Fire Nation. I mean, we already started seeing that in parts of like book two as well. But like, you know, when Zuko confronts Ozai in Day of Black Sun, it's just like we are told we're sharing our prosperity with the world. Like what a wonderful like what a like a lie that is. And it's this idea of just like, you know, <laughs> it's crazy. Now I gotta go Google this whole thing. Hold on. <laughs> uh, but uh, kind of with that, because I, I do want to wrap things up um, and just kind of get final thoughts. Um, Blue Spirit as a character and just overall ruminations uh, from our uh, discussion tonight. I have a lot more interest in the comics <laughs> because I'm realizing just how much more backstory is crammed into them based on the last episode you and John did and going through this for the blue spirit because it, the show, like there's a lot of things I can look into at the show, but now I'm just like, I can see myself just going right down the rabbit hole of wondering so much more about these characters, like the blue spirit. That's why I'm happy we did this episode this way is the episode of the blue spirit was very good. The character of the blue spirit is, was always complex. And the more I think about it, just uh, more complex than I even really thought. So I looked it up. The first episode of avatar aired on February 21st, 2005. So welcome to old. 
<laughs> no, I mean, um, I've and, lived and so, half my life since that, then. That, <laughs> that, what happened? What'd you get? I was like two years into college at this point. <laughs> Again, it's that year when it's like we all started kind of waking up a little bit and being like, should we be accepting of things? And then like 2008, the the final episode date that airs. And it's, it's kind of like, that's really when our generation kind of goes, you know, has actually had its eyes opened up. I think even in, in 2008 is when we started seeing some of that information start leaking out about what was really going on behind the scenes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's, it's definitely one of those things that when you think about Zuko's character, it's kind of like the writers themselves were trying to make you think about like your own acceptance of what you had been watching prior to the show. Ooh. Man. Yeah. I really like that. Wow. Well, let us leave. Yes. Seriously, guys. I mean, this has been incredible. Um, Just a phenomenal discussion of this character. Um, Again, thank you so much, Kevin and Susan, for like just bringing so much to the table for this tonight. This has just been awesome. (laughs) Oh, and. And we should we should also mention that tonight is uh you know the first day of the lunar new year so ah she, yes uh-huh. how do you say in chinese i don't know happy new year right yes nice ah man well, thank you all so much again for listening. Um, remember, you can uh, find us um, on the social medias of Twitter at Portalcast Pod, Facebook and Instagram uh, at Legend of Portalcast. And uh, remember, uh, follow us, uh, subscribe on our uh, iTunes. We're also on Stitcher. Um, and uh, feel free to leave a review and a rating. Uh, helps a lot in terms of uh, getting the word out there. Um, just uh Wanted to. There, there's a little button that's that you'll find at the bottom of your podcast area, I believe, or to the left, I think. You just you just click on that and you you leave a really nice review. Hashtag bejeweled monkey. Um, <laughs> the bejeweled monkey. Remember sent me. to also tweet this out and put it on Facebook and hashtag bejeweled monkey. Hashtag portalcast is awesome. Hashtag. What did I just listen to? I mean, uh, you know, you just get creative with this. Yes. Um, And also, uh, we're going to be uh, uh, with our um, YouTube channel. uh, We're going to be starting to release some uh, older content through that as well. Uh, So one of the things that I do want to uh, release, and we'll see, uh, I might have to go back and edit some of uh, the parts of it because I definitely used unlicensed music in old episodes of our show. Um, (laughs) Oh, yes. I I don't know what you're talking about, Colin. Nothing at all. Um, But I am going to be uh, reposting our interview that we did with um, Dave Roman and Allison Wilgus on the um, Zuko prequel novel uh, manga that we talked about today. Um, and uh, be sure to uh, check that out. Again, even though the movie is what it is, I highly encourage you check out that book. It's still a wonderful Avatar story. Um, and uh, the plus... Book, the movie that shall not be named, just yeah. it's, it's kind of like the Great Divide. Let's just fly over it. <laughs> so true. So true. 
Uh, all right. Well, thank you all so much for listening. And uh, until next time, let us leave. <laughs>